On you go. Welcome to mental health movies. So not mental health in movies. Okay, let's fucking start again. <laughs> <clears throat> I thought I'd said that. I fucking I never though. All right, we're ready. Aye. Hello and welcome to Mental Health in Movies. Right, here we go. This is episode one, um, and we're here talking about The Lobster, uh, the film from 2015 with Colin Farrell starring. Uh, I'm Dan Warrender. And I'm Scott McPherson. So, um, I was wondering maybe if we started with why we chose this film for our, our, first, um, our first discussion. I think because we, we both really, really like this film. Um, but we're certainly aware it's maybe one of those kind of marmite films, uh, given that we've we've got kind of close friends and we've we've uh, we showed this in public before, and some people hate it, <laughs> like really Definitely. don't connect with it. Definitely marmite, isn't it? I I know we we talked about that the <clears throat> the other week when we were talking about picking this film that that experience of when when we showed it in in public for our our mental health movie monthly initiative. I remember during the film. There was a woman sitting along alongside us, and God bless her. Like she, she obviously wasn't having a good time, and, and we hadn't realised because we we were just watching the film like everyone else. And she leaned over to us and said, "Is this movie meant to help your mental health? Because it's certainly not helping mine." <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly became a really conscious of like, "Oh shit, this woman's not having a good time here." And and we, we've picked this film, but then just forgetting about her agency and choosing to come and see the film, and you know. So, you know, it wasn't, yeah. well, it wasn't necessarily our, we, we hadn't created a, a negative experience for her. Uh, we just hosted an experience that became a negative one for her, which, <laughs> which still didn't feel good. But, uh, yeah, and I think that, like, we need to be clear that we're never choosing films that we think are going to be good for mental health. We're sort of choosing films based on, uh, we think there's uh, some interesting stuff to discuss uh, based on them. Uh, but yeah. we, we also recommended the film to our friend who watched it with his wife, um, and like, I think they turned it off after half an hour and she was saying, um, this must be a wind up. They must have said to you to watch this for a joke. Um, <laughs> it just didn't connect with the film whatsoever. But I watched it last night uh, and it's like second or maybe third time that I've watched it. And I just adore it. It's like it's a really bizarre, dystopian, cringeworthy, kind of awkward movie. But there's yeah. something beautiful about it and I think it's got a lot of interesting stuff in there as well definitely it's it's really bleak and it, like lo lots of people are, are not in a dark comedy anyway but this is like the darkest of dark comedies isn't it like you, you almost have to kind of have to I don't know you have to be a sick bastard or or just look really hard for the comedy maybe or or maybe you know so, some people it just doesn't suit their their sensibilities but even like last night I, I had watched it as well. And then my daughter had said, well, what, what was the film that you were watching? And then I, I told her, and I, I told her that it was about, you know, if, um, well, we, we can get into what it's about, but I told her it, it essentially that um, people had to choose kind of what animal they would, they would get changed into at some point. And um, 
And she, so it got her thinking and she was talking about what kind of animal she, she would choose and why and stuff. But, um, but yeah, other parts of the film she found really difficult to under, not, not to understand, but just like, what, why would that be funny? Like that doesn't sound funny at all. And um, yeah, I guess that, that's kind of what's happening for other people. They're seeing it and just being like, that's just bleak. That's just dark. Like, you know, that's, that's not funny or um, yeah, it's not, it's certainly not a, a slapstick, uh, uh, like a, if you're, if you're looking for sort of Adam Sandler chuckles, then, um, then this is yeah. a film for you. Yeah, these are like, there's some existential chuckling in there, maybe, you know what I mean? Because they're, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a, a, a real bleak kind of commentary on the human condition in some ways. Um, I mean, I guess, I hope that anyone's listening, um, I guess you, you'll get probably most out of this if you've seen the film. Um, mm -hmm. There, there will obviously be spoilers uh, that we'll be kind of talking about. Um, yeah, ma massive, massive spoilers. Like, yeah, they're going to probably ruin your your potential enjoyment of the film. So, yeah, but yeah. also if you've seen the film, then this might ruin your experience of seeing it as well, it <laughs> because do, we right? might make you look at it in a different way. It might do well. I mean, hope, I, <clears throat> maybe maybe change the word "ruin" to uh, "enhance." Might enhance your, <laughs> your experience. I remember. Remember that time we we showed we showed a film and and uh, guy, I, he he seemed like he was joking, didn't he? He said, like he said, you 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 pair, you've ruined the way I, you know, ruined films for me now because I, I can't watch them without kind of viewing it through this mental health lens. But he, I think what he was really saying was like, uh, quite like that in a way that he's got this this other kind of perspective now when he watches a film. Yeah, I think you certainly said that we'd change the way that you looked at films and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do that for folk that are listening as well. Um, like I, I scribbled down a lot of stuff as I was uh, watching it last night. And I thought about taking notes and then I, I didn't do it in the end. I thought I'll, I'll try and but, make it more organic. So I, Because you knew that, that I would take notes and you would because just riff off of that. You're a massive note taker, yeah. I, yeah. I'm <laughs> like I, you made that sound like such an insult there you're a massive note taker a total <laughs> note taker complete note taker <laughs> what, what we all say about you behind your back <laughs> um i was going to say that we're both uh, a little bit ill today as well and i don't know if like we should maybe do that at the start of every episode you know what i mean just like fire in with an excuse as to why it's going to be so terrible and then people oh. might be pre pleasantly surprised by the end I, was, you know I, mean? I, I thought you were going to frame that differently and say, we, you know, maybe we should check in on, on our own kind of well-being at the start of every episode. Uh, maybe we should. I was thinking more of an excuse, you know what I mean? So today we're ill and then next time, oh, I've, I've not really slept that well. And then gradually it'll just be like, I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I think the main theme that I think I wrote down from the film um probably a couple of things there's definitely something about belonging in there and like whether it's belonging in relationships or in social groups and there's something about kind of social norms and stuff and I think the the idea of what a kind of a successful or fulfilled life is and I guess how these ideas of what life is meant to be maybe how that can certainly impact on our mental health if there's an idea of what a life should be and we don't feel like we're we're meeting that kind of criteria definitely that is, it was probably the main the main thing i was thinking about kind of following 
having watched the film for, I think it was the third time for me, um, was the this this concept of, I, do you know what, like, little tangent for a second, I don't remember what we talked about, you know, like when, when we showed it. Yeah. Because we, we, when we showed it for Mental Health Movie Monthly, what we were doing by that by that time was we were just having organic conversations after the film, and um and as a result then we weren't kind of recording that anywhere we we didn't have notes about that, and I don't remember what what came up or um but I remember it I remember it being really good I remember from from my perspective I remember really enjoying the conversation we had mm-hmm. coming away kind of energized by by new thoughts about it I don't remember what any of those thoughts are so I felt like I was kind of coming not coming at the film new because I knew what was going to happen in the film but um coming at that that perspective of or that that lens of kind of looking at the film new and um yeah anyway so away from that tangent that was what I was thinking about was essentially the the hotel so well maybe another tangent should, should we tell people kind of a little, a little bit about kind of what happens in the film because you know, I you're think saying... we, we maybe need to just even just to right. kind of set it up for ourselves and stuff like I that. I think but... so because because uh, you're you're saying folk will get more out of the the podcast if they've watched the film, but just think that they'll they might just be completely confused if we don't do that first if they've never seen the film. So, I, I mean, I, essentially, it's uh, well, it starts out with with um a, a sort of pudgy um Colin Farrell. And he's got like a bushy moustache, just looks like a sort of every man, does he? Are you going to um, describe every single detail? You know what I mean? Uh, and he's wearing am, black seen, trousers. And I've like... seen his, dog, <laughs> his dog's black and white. He's in this room, <laughs> and there's a voice. There's a voice. No, like, no. So, anyway, like, I'm just setting up, man. So, like, Colin Farrell, he, he's not he's not sexy, um, phone booth Colin Farrell. He's he's like, he's a sort of marshmallow kind of man. Um, it, like middle-aged, every man, like a bit kind of downhearted sort of guy. Anyway, he's got a dog with him. He's he's been admitted to this um this resort, this hotel, but um he's immediately asked some really personal questions uh, about his sexual orientation and stuff, and but also about his preference if he doesn't make it, if he doesn't kind of uh, fall in love with someone, um or achieve love with someone else within forty-five days. He's going to be turned into an animal, and which animal would you would you want? Have to you be not? You've you've missed the kind of key moment, haven't you? Because he's you see him at the start, and like the first thing that I wrote down was rejection. That's how the film starts, where he he's been rejected by his wife. His wife has left him, and as yeah. a result, he has to go to this hotel where if he doesn't find love or find a partner or a mate within a certain amount of time, he will be turned into an animal. I mean, you're you're saying that I missed that, but you're hurrying me along from the scene by scene, play by play bit. And then <laughs> I, you've I, gone back to do it. No, do it in the right order. Do it, do it in the order the scenes appear. <laughs> We're like you're refusing the the uh, the possibility that I was going to get to that bit. I was I, just I'm gonna... I'm respecting my listener that like is given like valuable time. You know what I mean? And is here like don't want to know how many kind of bristles make up Colin Farrell's moustache. <laughs> right. So anyway. So then the rest of, well, the, the next kind of first half of the film is him in the resort, adapting to that, trying to find love and, and whatever, and some of the other characters that are there. He makes a couple of pals. <clears throat> um, and and then the, the kind of final part of the film is played out in the forest where these loners are, mm-hmm. uh, people, presumably people who've either run away from the hotel or, um, well, yeah, escaped in, in some sense, uh, either 
escaped going into the hotel or, or escaped from the hotel. They've um, escaped that society in a way, haven't they? You know what yeah. I mean? Because I think yeah. uh, you see you certainly see later in the film, uh, I think there's there's a woman just alone in a in a shopping mall. And she's been kind of questioned as to like, yeah, yeah. where is your husband? You know what I mean? Are you single? Yeah, she's, she's on her knees and, and asked to show her papers and stuff, isn't she? Yeah. They're, they're checking under her fingernails and checking her shoes for dirt and stuff to see is she actually a loner kind of posing as a, a city dweller. Um, but yeah, I mean, so with with that sort of vague backdrop to, to the film, that that sense of belonging and society and stuff, that I think that for me, that, that was the biggest theme was, that that resort is is essentially an institution. Mm-hmm. Like the, these people are are institution, institutionalized because they they're identified as being deviant, as as being um, disordered, if you like. They're um, you know being being in a couple, being in love and in a couple is the norm. That's normal. That's yeah. that's acceptable. And anyone who's not in a couple and not in love is is deviant and needs to be locked away. Needs to be put in put in this place and treated. And they get the, the treatment in the form of sort of um, behavioral uh, therapy, I guess. I don't know, like therapy in its, in its kind of loosest sense. Like they get these sort of, uh, <clears throat> what are they called? PSAs, like public PSAs. Like, yeah. uh, like oh, this is, here. here's a, a woman, a woman walks alone and you see her, she walks alone and then she gets, they, they role play out this woman getting raped essentially and then mm-hmm. woman uh woman walks with a man and then she she walks with yeah a man. she doesn't and then doesn't there's the the man eats applause. alone and then he ends yeah, up yeah. kind of choking and then man eats with woman and then he's saved by her um yeah. i think like it's interesting isn't it for a start thinking about something as kind of as day-to-day as getting into a relationship kind of getting married having children almost that sort of scripted sense of what you should be doing with your life but then kind of remembering that like there's I I always think it's really useful to remember that there's no one right way to do life but and and it's interesting within the film it's just you always wonder who decides that that's that's acceptable and I guess being a loner or being kind of being single and not having these kind of relationships that that's not okay and I think you don't yeah. find out, do you, if it's a if it's a government <clears throat> decision or you know like what what does that what does the wider state look like? You you only you only kind of see a little snapshot of kind of city life, people going about together in, in couples and being afraid to or pre- presumably to be apart from their partner because they're there are these security people going around, um, and you see within the hotel and then you see the loners, but yeah, you don't find out kind of what, what's behind all that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I guess. You're thinking about your <clears throat> the the thinking about kind of um being in a couple being the norm and you know and you know society kind of societal pressure around that and i guess you know we, we've got that to some extent with our, our sort of yeah absolutely Instagram culture and stuff don't we you know that pe- people showing their perfect lives with their perfect partners and perfect bodies and the perfect ho- um, holidays and perfect presents and you know perfect weather and all all that sort of stuff and again you know, well, we, we know that a lot of people feel that feel that pressure and that impacts their yeah. mental health. I think that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you could argue that a lot of these things are maybe to try and almost like market ourselves, you know, I mean, advertise ourselves as kind of um, as attractive to kind of uh, to potential partners. And I was thinking about the the characters in the film, how they are desperate to 
connect with other people and you do wonder if that's just to be part of the dominant narrative you know what i mean to be part of that normal to be accepted essentially to belong they have to have partners and how they all tend to change a bit of themselves or they sacrifice parts of themselves to try and be attractive to other people so for example there's the you know the woman that has the continual nosebleeds and then the guy to try and make himself seem um attractive to her or a match for her he's like frequently sort of like banging his banging his uh, nose off tables and walls and stuff like that and even what is it cutting it with a pen knife to simulate that he's having a nosebleed so he's he's doing something different to himself to try and make himself attractive to others um and then i think there's there's a beautiful moment that we we really laugh at and it's incredibly dark in the film is where uh, Colin Farrell is trying to connect with uh, this woman that seems to lack uh, empathy for for anyone and, and seems she's absolutely heartless yeah she, she is really a, a really brutal character but um Colin Farrell's brother is a dog and we, uh, we could um we could try and explain that but that's just was, sort of well he was he was in there two years ago and he didn't make it that's what yeah, Colin Farrell says yeah. at the start of the film is it but this woman is kind of testing Colin Farrell to see if he really is a match. So she literally kicks the dog, his brother, to death and then wakes him up telling him that. And it's interesting yeah, wait, seeing... Wait, yeah, wakes Colin Farrell up, not, not wakes up the dead dog. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting seeing Colin Farrell try and suppress his emotion. You know what I mean? He's obviously really, really hurt and shocked and just... It's but... an amazing bit where, he, where he's just woken up and, and she says... She she says I I killed your brother, and um and she's just staring standing over him. He's bleary eyed and like she's just looking down at him. And he he just looks up and he says it doesn't matter. <laughs> he tries yeah. to say it really dead. And when he it, goes to the bathroom and like yeah. the dog's lying dead on the floor and he like just starts talking about there really was a funny story I was going to tell you. You know what I mean? Just starts talking as if it's as if it's not there. But I was thinking about um. You know, I mean, it could link to the amount that we, I guess, sacrifice bits of ourselves to kind of connect with other people or be part of social groups, just on a kind of day to day basis. And I think it was um, it was Arthur Schopenhauer, wasn't it? A philosopher talked about we sacrifice three quarters of ourselves to be like everyone else. And I think that's interesting when, when like anyone listening or um, us, you know, I mean, I think there's probably definitely been periods where we would admit that we've been in groups and our behavior has potentially changed as we as we try and feel part of it we try and feel like we belong yeah. but i sometimes wonder what is what's the cost of you know what i mean going against your your true feelings you know what i mean of being of i guess trying to be something you're not or trying to be different to what you truly feel and i think it's it says that in the um in the film it's some of the narration there isn't there is like it's easier to pretend to have feelings than to pretend not to but i think i would argue that just that sense of pretending can actually hurt us quite a bit you get a, i guess a bit of that um an existential crisis in terms of who, who you are as a person i mean like i i guess that colin farrell kind of experiences very real consequences of that because he he says that when he's out in the golf course <clears throat> and he's thinking about trying to um, pair up with the heartless woman. You know, you, you assume, well, actually, it's, it's easier to pretend that I don't have feelings. So he does that. Mm -hmm. And then he, 
uh, as a consequence then his brother is killed and then then he becomes a maybe not a murderer but he he then um manages to kind of sedate the woman and uh, and transform her into some animal that's undisclosed i was wonder kind of what what he turned her into but um by uh, wonder about the the other you know the other bit related to that is like what why do we do that why do we change kind of up to three quarters of ourselves in order to fit in what's the risk what are, or what are the risks of not fitting in and you know maybe yeah. maybe they for for people when when we when we think about kind of why we do that maybe maybe it's that maybe maybe there's that sort of weighing up of shit what if i what if i don't fit in what yeah. are the risks then but you know potentially then we can become ostracized mentally unwell or me- mentally unwell in in heavy air quotes you know yeah we become labeled as deviant or different or disordered we can become institutionalized and medicated or get held against our will medicated against our will all, all these sort of things and uh, I, I guess in in that society in the lobster there are kind of similar similar risks you know you, you can become institutionalized you can become well dehumanized uh, you know ve- very much in, in a real sense and you yeah know, you, you get turned into an animal and and in real life you can become dehumanized for for not fitting in with the uh, with the, the majority can't you? you you become dehumanized by being put in in a, a psychiatric hospital and um or, or put on certain medications treated in certain ways um uh, kept from doing certain things mm-hmm. i was thinking about the you know i mean the emotional experience of being excluded from a group and how i guess our emotions are i guess i have an important kind of contribution to survival as well you know i mean i think certainly human beings social animals and certainly historically like you know i mean nowadays if people are single and alone you can survive absolutely but if you take us back to our kind of sort of primate years you know i mean where I don't know, we're mucking about in caves or trees or whatever. If you are not part of a group, then your chances of survival are significantly diminished. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to struggle to uh, find shelter. You're going to struggle to defend yourself. You're going to struggle to gather enough resources to eat. And I think we sometimes need to think about why does it hurt so much when you're not included in part of a group? And I think it's a lot of that kind of instinctual stuff, you know, I mean, that is supposed to hurt you to drive you towards connecting with people because it's safer to connect with people. But I think because because now we're, we're human, you know, I mean, we've got that higher order thinking. It's not just about being a part of a group. We've also got that kind of sense of a self and stuff now as well. And then thinking that, right, okay, I've got the safety of this group, but my d- idea of myself doesn't fit with this group and they say you know i mean find your tribe so it's not necessarily finding um a tribe but finding the one that kind of works for you and it's interesting isn't it because the the two tribes if you like that are clearly in the the film are this society that says that like essentially if you are not in in a couple then you are a kind of an outcast from society you know i mean you're on the scrap heap and you better rectify that behavior really quickly but the alternative is to be a loner where you get to kind of connect with people, but then there's no, there's no romantic relationships allowed. And certainly both of those ideas are really, really inflexible. And 
like I, I started it made me think of the idea that like I heard about it in college years and years ago of, you know, the Eric Erickson intimacy versus isolation kind of the, the aspect of psychosocial development. And I was thinking, is the lobster, the film trying to show you that, that kind of divide? I think it's maybe not because like you could argue that the loners are an aspect of isolation but the thing was, in The Lobster, even when they had these uh, people that ended up being in relationships, it, did, it lacked intimacy. It, it was a sense of, like, we're doing this because we have to do this to be accepted as normal. And it's maybe yeah. something about the way the film is expressed, isn't it? Because, like, the, there's a lack of expressed emotion throughout the film. And I think that's a, something they've done very deliberately. And I think for me, that's maybe something that adds to the humour of it. Um, yeah. But I think that the debate between intimacy and isolation doesn't quite work in the film because even when people are in relationships, there's no intimacy. It doesn't feel like there's a real connection there. Yeah, I, I, Ericsson and his theories have no place in this, in this um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, the, well, <clears throat> I was going to, you know, like, uh, the term is on the tip of my tongue. You know, you get like, post-apocalyptic society is not that but it's a uh, some sort of other alternative reality anyway but it, yeah yeah it's, it's a dystopian world isn't dystopian it? that's the, that's the very one um what was i going to say yeah they, um how how could people feel comfortable talking about their emotions being their their um their actual selves with when the, the stakes are so high in the yeah. society it's it's almost impossible, isn't it? Almost impossible there to to be your your genuine self and to um to risk then any any sort of conflict with the person that you're with. Um, even though you know we, we recognise in, in this society or some people recognise that conf, you know a, a bit of conflict can can actually maybe conflict's the wrong word, but little, little you know disagreement and, and stuff that can actually end up bringing us closer as we yeah. work through it and we build trust through through working together through this sort of stuff but um in this society the stakes are too high for that if you know they, these people are not not risking any sort of disagreement with their partners because then it end, it potentially ends in them having their life ended <clears throat> or their life as a human ended yeah i think that's interesting isn't it you know what i mean because when we talk about the social costs of not being kind of part of a group we are often feeling about those like talking about those emotional experiences of rejection which are really really difficult I don't think we should ever underestimate how shit that can feel but certainly in this dystopian world it's not just that horrible emotional experience of disconnection it's actually that you know I mean you either get turned into an animal or even if you're one of the loners and then you get involved in a romantic relationship they will they'll kill you yeah 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 I, I I think they well they they show in the in the loners kind of um, society then they they have to dig their own graves don't they and there's that kind of there's that creepy bit where the the leader of the the loners kind of forces Colin Farrell to dig his own grave and then lie in the grave and cover himself with with soil and stuff. Um, there, there, to me it seemed like that there was there's quite a bit of kind of threat and threat involved there. He he seemed to be kind of feeling some threat. And they talk about some of the punishments as well, don't they, for for loners who um who flirted with each other. You see the 
the guy and, and then you get a glimpse of the, the woman as well who who've got a bandage around their mouth and and uh, there's is bloodied and they've been given the the red kiss they they've obviously had well it, they describe it don't they they've had their lips slashed with a razor blade and, um yeah but uh, and then they talk about or they the the voiceover is rachel vice isn't it the um yeah the the one who sort of becomes colin farrell's girlfriend in it um she she says that uh, she's heard about the red intercourse as well and that's her big worry yeah and yeah. we can imagine that then there, there's potentially a worse punishment than that so yeah people maybe just being killed if they if they keep flouting the the rules you do wonder as well is if the film is talking about maybe the difficulty in having such kind of binary approaches to you either do this or you do that and there's nothing kind of in the middle um because it actually both the dominant society that says you have to kind of have a partner have a mate etc and then the loners that say no you can't do that and if you do that you'll be punished both really really inflexible ways of kind of approaching um human beings and and how they yeah. how they kind of want to live together uh, and i wonder if that's interesting in itself you know what i mean that um that we, we need to try and see the gray in things you know what i mean the, the nuance and uh, the complexities of, of human behavior um like i'm aware of time and i know that we could probably kind of we're deliberately going to try and keep these sort of palatable by not making them too long um i was wanting to talk about the ending as well i think in terms of maybe uh, our sense of self and maybe how we maybe sacrifice ourselves maybe want to be similar to others but like is there anything else you were wanting to think about as well before we kind of do that um maybe just the the fact that kind of who who you can pair up with you know it's not it's not just about there's not even the freedom to connect with whoever you want to connect with yeah um, in in both societies so in the loners you you know you can you can have a conversation with anyone but then you, you can't connect to any any deeper level well any romantic level or, or sexual level uh, beyond that but in the in the other society, the the bigger society, <clears throat> you can only connect with someone else who has um, uh, the same or or a very similar physical or psychological trait. It's not just like, oh, you both, you know, you you, you both like this particular thing, or you, you know, you both like this particular music or whatever. It's like the the guy with the limp, he can only connect. You can only have a, a relationship with someone else who has a limp. There's a yeah, like Colin Farrell notices somebody, so, some of the newcomers, and, and one of them has a limp, and the, the guy's already checked out, and he's like, "She's just got a sprained ankle. She'll be better in a, in a couple of weeks." And he says it with like such kind of disappointment in his voice. <laughs> and then like John C. Riley's character, the, the sort of this big kind of sad sack guy with with a lisp, like he's he's only going to be able to, to connect with someone else who has a lisp as well yeah so and that, that's kind of prescribed by society that that society decides that's you know this is this is acceptable for you you can only connect with it with this person and yeah I, <clears throat> yeah what, I, mean, I wonder if there's something there about kind of belonging and fitting in and um and that, that sort of stuff you know like i know in in some of my kind of research work then been looking at attitudes towards people with substance use problems and you know in well, some of the, the recent-ish Scottish research showing that people have, the general public 
have have generally kind of fairly accepting views of people with substance use problems or, or fairly sympathetic views towards them to some extent when uh, when they're thinking about them on a sort of abstract level but when it comes to thinking about them um in uh, like moving in next door to them or getting married to their daughter or you know that that, that sort of bit more personal level lots and lots of people are saying oh hell no like that's yeah you don't want it that close to me so you do wonder if the, the film is maybe like you could argue that it's a, a powerful metaphor for only accepting the same you know what i mean only accepting people that are the same as us because that's certainly the approach to relationships is it you know what i mean i think because uh, I, th- I think uh, is it what's her name raquel weiss is that is it rachel Rachel White. Yeah, I, I was saying Rachel. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, but she's. I think she's. Her name in the film is short-sighted woman, because that's uh, that's uh, Colin Farrell's short-sighted, and that's their connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it maybe takes me on to the ending as well, actually, because like I think there's a really so so spoiler, but hopefully folk have seen it anyway. So um, almost as punishment for. Um, their relationship, short-sighted woman ends up getting blinded um, by the loners through this kind of this uh, operation. So as a result, her and Colin Farrell don't share that sense of being short-sighted anymore. She's blind and he's short-sighted. And there's a moment at the very end of the film where Colin, she's sitting in a cafe and Colin Farrell has a knife to his eye and you never see what happens. You get the sense that he is considering kind of literally putting a knife into his eye to be the same as her so that they can kind of continue the relationship. It's, it's, it's one of those um, difficult endings and it's kind of it's sort of just left and you're just like, ah, I really, I want to know what happened there. And I guess what I was thinking was like, is there a sense of him having that choice of, do I need to be the same to connect with another human being? Like, I wonder if that's a bit of his internal dialogue at that point in time. It's obviously probably shit scary to put a knife in your eye. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's horrible to imagine him doing that. But you do wonder if he's having that internal dialogue or can I connect with this human being and be in a relationship with her without having some kind of shared characteristic? You can, yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly, like the way people speak throughout throughout the whole film is really monotonous and deadpan and stuff as well isn't it um you know there's really very little kind of um emotional depth in in what people yeah. say in, in the film or the way they say it and yeah that everything about their connection seems to be around kind of be you know being short sighted seems really important to that but um <clears throat> but yeah it, it could also be like you know where else can they go so they they can either go back to the loner kind of society and and try and fit in there again as loners but then they won't be able to kind of be out in the open about being together or they can try and live in the in the wider society where you have to live as a couple and you're scrutinized and you have to have this thing the same so it could just be that fear about like well you know we're not gonna we can't be a legitimate couple anywhere unless unless he he is physically blind as as well as she is yeah <clears throat> yeah so i per- perhaps perhaps both things but certainly certainly you know it seems like a, a quite horrible experience to, 
to feel so trapped that there's there's nowhere that they can truly belong. Yeah. They they can never feel kind of truly safe or um safe to be be themselves, to to be just a, a genuine couple who have fallen in love. Yeah. Okay. I'm not wanting this to get too long. And I know we, we could talk forever. And I think that that's the thing. Whenever we watch a film, we'll pull different stuff out of it. And we've probably missed some stuff that we could have spoke about as well. Um but if anybody's got anything else that they'd pulled out of the film, feel free to kind of tweet us or get in touch and, and I would be curious to know what other folk uh, thought. How, how do we want to round it up? Do we want to kind of, do we want a wee, wee summary or do we want to just kind of tell folk what um, what we're doing next? No, I think, I don't think we need, we need a summary. I think, I think that's a good point that, that you're making. Like we're, we're not trying to cover every single aspect here. We're not saying these, this is everything that relates to mental health in this film. We're just we're just two guys having a discussion about some of the the stuff that we pulled out of it um, that we thought related to mental health or mental well-being. There's I'm sure there's absolutely tons out there, and even if if you've got opinions that disagree with us, if you've got completely different opinions, if, if you if you just want to say um, I, I I think the same or you know good good job guys or whatever, please get in touch. Um, what, what's our Twitter handle, Dan? So uh, on Twitter, it's mh underscore in underscore movies. That's our handle. That's great. And we've got a um, WordPress website as well, don't we? Yeah, um, we do. Um, I, I can't remember the website off uh, the top of my head, but I think if you certainly if you Google mental health in movies, you should come up with a few stuff. And so we, we can post the links beneath the um, beneath the podcast that you're uh, you're listening to as well so we, yeah. we'll start we'll start doing that um the next one we'll be recording will be planes trains and automobiles yeah so we're hosting a show into that uh, soon and we will kind of record a podcast shortly after that uh, talking about that i'm looking forward to that one actually because i've not seen that in years yeah me too for for those of you who are in or around the aberdeen area then uh, feel free to, to buy a ticket and come along and watch the film with us and um, and stay for a discussion along these lines, um, but uh, where, where you can be involved as well and, and not just hear our voices. That's on Tuesday, the 30th of November, I think. Yep, and but, it's uh, uh, 2021 at this point in time. Hi, good, good point, yeah. 6 p.m. I think uh, Aberdeen's... Um, is, it, is it 6 p.m.? Uh, the film starts half, half six, I think. Half six, sorry. At the uh, Belmont Film House in Aberdeen in their Kino Bar. Tickets are £5 per person. Okay. Is that us? I think so. Okay, cheers for listening, folks. Take it easy, everyone.